0: What's
1: up, everyone, welcome back to just you guys talking and if you are brand new to the podcast, welcome. We have a wonderful topic and a surprise guest on this episode. We also want to remind everyone and also clue everyone who may be listening for the first time what our premise is, essentially the premise is we don't want you to know our names or our backgrounds. So you don't have any biases entering this podcast. We only want you to listen to the ideas, and if they're useful, cool. If not, cool. The only thing we really just want you to focus on is the ideas we're putting forth. All right, so let's jump into the topic. The topic today is all about relationships, and we really take a deep dive into polyamory, but we don't take the deepest of dives. We just scratch the surface. So with that in mind, kick back, relax, enjoy, and listen to the ideas being presented. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning back into Just Two Guys Talking. We have a wonderful topic today. And, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> guy number one, what is the topic?
0: Today's topic is relationships. Um, now, what that means for our podcast and the way we do things means we're going we're gonna to go into some nooks and crannies here. Uh, and we may discuss some things that for the listener may surprise them. They may not be used to. They may not think about some of these topics very often. More like To be, to be more specific, I'd love to talk about things like monogamy versus polyamory. Polyamorous culture is, is on the rise in, in, in the U.S. and Western society. Uh, what was once a, a taboo subculture is now actually taking a mainstream, uh, a mainstream presence, I feel yeah, uh, yeah. And, and polyamory that's what we're talking about and getting into relationships during corona land uh, i mean i mean fuck relationships on their own they're complicated enough but you know everybody is kind of grouping up right now getting into stuff uh those are some things that were on my mind i hope we can get to to some of that if not all of it definitely but, you know i'm I'm talking as a single man during this pandemic right yeah and i gotta tell you when we chose this topic as exciting as it is to me um I feel so disarmed when it comes to relationships in that I've just about forgotten what it's like to link up with someone and share the, share the energy in the room. If that makes sense. I've been, it's been an isolated time.
1: Definitely has been, uh, yeah, talking about Corona land, I I've been in the throes of it. Um, I'm just going to just take a give a little insight cause it's a uh, very contextual to the conversation. Um, I'm in an open relationship, you know, uh, and during Corona land, it definitely took some readjusting. It took some, you know, new dynamics coming into the relationship and then a relationship having to adjust to the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Give me a, give me a little direction guy. Number one, give me yeah. a question. I feel like so, I can ju- talk so about if everything. You're,
0: you're in an open re- relationship. You would say it's a polyamorous relationship, right? Definitely. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you'd label. What are some, actually let's just for, for baseline, this is kind of your wheelhouse. What are some labels that people usually use for relationship dynamics that maybe people know or don't know off the top of your head? I've got monogamy and polyamory, but
1: definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you, when you're uh, talking about the relationship, uh, you know, cultures, uh, there's so many different labels. I mean, we're going to start off with the simplest one is like, yeah, friends. Um, yeah, sure you know you could be a friend uh and then from that friend you can have friends with benefits and then uh just gonna keep going uh, friends with benefits uh there's uh some people say buddies mm-hmm. <laughs> sex buddies uh, yeah you know yeah. Uh, friends don't fuck buddies do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um then when you get into like more of the the relationship uh arena you have monogamy and then within monogamy you have like different setups um I don't really know that if there's a label if like if it's the female who's taking the lead, uh, but I know there are dynamics set up that way where it's mm-hmm. like the female is like the breadwinner, quote unquote. Um, then you have from monogamy, you could you could kind of get into like this uh, kink uh, is you know kink territory.
0: So where you might find like swingers and uh, BDSM community, perhaps. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. So those are all like a, a bunch of other labels as well. Um, and in, uh, in the poly community, um, there's a, there's quite a few terms that get thrown around and you, and you hear things such as, um, oh, I'm in a, uh, ethical non-monogamous relationship mm-hmm. versus a non-monogamy a lot these days. Right. Ra- yeah. That one's definitely on the rise, um, or monogamish, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or non-monogamish, uh or just non-monogamy sometimes people feel inclined to throw in the ethical i think it should be always ethical (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um then you get into uh there's this other this is uh, other terms come to my mind it's like uh said polyamory it's like uh polyandry yes there you go yeah you're reading my mind yeah polyandry Mm -hmm. where it's the female who has multiple
0: males right yeah, I think it's a marriage, and then the the antithesis or the opposite of that would be polygamy. Correct. Where I kind of what comes to mind with polygamy is usually like Mormon, the old fashioned Mormon setups. I don't, I'm sure that still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think there's shows about it now. Yeah, um, and that's that's oftentimes where my mind is pulled to when it comes to multiple partnership dynamics. Okay, um, where I'll think about like polygamy, or at least uh, at least I used to. Uh, polygamy, polyandry is a little, you know, it's a rarer, uh, circumstance. Um, polyandry was when I was younger was an idea because it, it, it was, okay. it, it was an idea in that you didn't run into it very, yeah,
1: young. yeah, yeah. So
0: it was like, oh, that's a setup I could see someone having, but I didn't know anyone who was doing it. Totally. And, um, you know, back, you know, back in the day and even now, usually I would meet maybe monogamous, uh, uh, couples that maybe would let me know they swing and and, you know so swingers that's a whole different
1: bag together right oh yeah and um and uh when we're talking about all these different structures i'm gonna label off a a few more because like i think they're pertinent to the conversation when you get into polyamory you can also get into this uh interesting territory where you get into uh uh, what is it called It is eluding me right now Um, i'm not gonna say relationship anarchy are you Dude, you're like reading my mind today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, do I have it written on my face? <laughs>
0: yeah, a little bit, a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's relationship anarchy, which I find uh, quite hilarious because you need a label in order to not have labels. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: it's essentially what I would call, you know, walking on the beach holding hands and really not having any, um, in, not intention, but it would be a lack thereof. A lack thereof sure. intention
0: let me ask you just for clarification is it like it's it's a label that describes having no labels yeah which is fascinating in its own right and paradoxical as far as the english language is concerned but is it essentially we have no intentions other than to share each other's time when we want to and as we can
1: yeah yeah definitely and what i found that the the individuals that go into relationship anarchy i see that as more of a phase because eventually you're gonna run into the other person's um negotiables and non-negotiables. You're mm-hmm. gonna run into one of their rules or boundaries. And then there's gonna t- there's typically like a a point where they um request something. Yeah. And then the yeah, label yeah. is made.
0: And as soon as you request something, like, you know, you got this amorphic blob of a situation just kinda kind of just gravitating, whatever direction it's gravitating. But once you set that boundary, it takes shape, right? Yeah. And and so
1: heartily, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, you mentioned uh, negotiables and non-negotiables. We talked about that before in in a previous podcast, but as it pertains to setting up a relationship, he's got all these labels These labels are uh, after talking to you and getting to understand your, uh, your personal lifestyle. it, It sounds like these labels, are are emblematic or or structured uh, versions of a contract agreements more or less not something written on paper, but you know every relationship's more or less a contractual agreement that's always in in, in negotiation.
1: Yes. Yeah. I like how you said that contractual agreement. That's always a negotiation. Um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say that to like, you know, a, a partner that I would be, uh, you know, quote unquote interviewing. No, it's not,
0: not the sexiest thing.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> the sexiest thing for me. I would say, um, Hey, uh, here's my contract contractual agreement here. It's more like, Hey, here's the game I'm playing. Right. Um, right. and then I, yes. And yeah. that's exactly what I say. Like, um, no joke. Um, I just, you know, in, in Corona land, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to kind of jump all over the place, you know, just to get to the, to the crux of these, uh, the points to these stories. We'll get there. Um, but I was, uh, I was talking to this new person that just kind of entered my life and, you know, I had to have the conversation, which is, and this is a very important thing. I'm just going to jump right into what I believe is, uh, setting up a proper polyamory relationship mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a lot of opinions on this and there's a lot of, uh, poly people out there who have you know, written books and, sure. uh, they have their opinions, but I will say though, the, the poly community at large is like fairly new territory to society. Um, it's, uh, what I would call the fruits of fruits within mm-hmm. culture. So when you have, and this is, this is my thinking is like, when you have a culture that has grown so much like you know uh, like like ours in the 21st century mm-hmm. in this world you know we've had many generations of humans and we've had you know cultures built on top of their culture so it's almost like imagine like a tree blooming and then you know an apple falls and then that seed grows you know goes into dirt and grows into another tree and then it fruits as well so we're on the fruits of fruits and that's why i think we are able to have polyamory is because there's enough um give in the culture it's mm-hmm. not it's not hunting and gathering um as much it's not tribalism as much it's not like my tribe it's not so much uh, pitted against uh, for survivalism it's just about almost enjoying yourself does that right? does that make sense i feel like i i drew Pretty far correlation
0: there. Sure, and and I think that actually saying enjoying yourself. If we were going to go off classic uh, Western society, the the ethical bedrock of of coupling is. Uh, classically, I'm not saying polyamory is not ethical. I'm saying classically, the ethical yeah. construct was, was monogamy. And that was as far as I can understand to limit, um, to limit gamesmanship within, within a tribe, within a group so that nobody's, you know, you can see it in the Bible. It's like, you know, don't covet your thy neighbor's wife. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Like that, that was like the original setup. So like <laughs> they called it a sin so that there wasn't insanity, but as, as society has evolved and we're talking about 5,000 years of, of difference between when that was put on chiseled in stone and where we are now, um, you can make some choices, some lateral moves that, that allow you to, to expand. So when you're saying, you know, fruits of fruits, uh, I would have to argue, I'd have yeah. to argue, at least in Western society. I know there are older uh, polyandrous societies that, that I think uh, come out of parts of Africa that we, that have been found by like, anthropologists. Uh, I remember learning about one that, um, you know, they're old, old statues, uh, old, old, uh, not statues. I mean, they were, they were kind of are statues. They're like, um, um, uh, fertility statues of women. Oh, yeah. Er- er- yeah. Yeah. In earlier societies, they worshiped the woman as the womb, as the caretaker, as the place of holding. And, and, um, that went away over time as hunting and gathering got more competitive. It's yeah. That's what they think anyway. Uh, but- so yeah, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Um, so, to clarify, you're saying that uh, what went away, like the the worshipping of the of the woman,
0: the the uh, the deification of of the woman turned into the de- deification of the male, is what ah. happened over time because competition required uh, a physical element in a way that it hadn't prior. But the way that the early man appeared to depict it is that. Uh, and I'm just trying to like give a landscape view of like where 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 we've been and, and where we're heading. Totally. the Landscape view being we started uh, by really praising and prizing our our women and and protecting them. Yeah. And, you know I think in Native American cultures they've shown that like part of the setup that made Native American cultures. I'm sure it's not every tribe, but certain tribes, let's say, uh, so able to uh, take care of their children and their offspring, which ultimately is the goal of humanity if we're, if we're going to say there's a goal that's usually the goal it's the drive is to reproduce they said it doesn't matter who the father is any any man who's been with that woman is now the father and will take a yeah. child's life which is kind of beautiful uh i really like that it's really it's really beautiful so you imagine those early polyandrous uh uh setups that you had something similar and akin to that i don't know for sure but then you fast forward i don't know the last 2000 years or so. yeah, And you kind of get Judeo-Christian, uh,
1: like the man is in control. I like where you're taking this, this narrative. You know, I never really thought of it that way.
0: Um, It's I'm sure I'm missing like a couple spans of of time in different contexts, but generally speaking, it seems that it took this trend. Yeah. And so it turned into something akin to what people would often call a patriarchal from a matriarchal to a patriarchal society. (laughs) And then, you know, fast forward now, and people are like starting to, to deviate away from monogamy, which is the Judeo-Christian uh, construct, more or less. Not that it was only Judeo-Christian, but in the West, where do we pull a lot of our values from? Yeah. It's not Hinduism. Um, sure. you know, but they had the same setup, generally speaking, as far as I understand. So yeah. I'm just trying to like put this landscape out there as I understand it, because when we get to now, we get to 2020, yeah. and we've got people who are just hooking up. You know, you got people who are, ju- who have fuck buddies who, yeah. uh, you know, the, the crude and crass way I've heard it put is like, you know, I, heard, I had a friend, she said, I got dick appointments. I'm like, Ugh, I don't like that, but oh, okay. Wow, yeah. Uh, you know, like, I'm just like, that's, that's dehumanizing, but <laughs> definitely <laughs> so then we like get now and we have people who are getting into these ethical polyamorous setups, Yeah. but they're not all the same. Not, no. I mean, neither are monogamous relationships for that matter
1: totally but uh monogamous monogamy can almost be clumped together um under a sweeping umbrella in my opinion just because they're all really 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 similar like there's
0: Did you say it's because there's a spiritual or re- religious element there?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I do think that is. It's it's just I don't when to. I want to say it's, I think it's just because it's just been so thrown in our face so many times and it's because of religion. Right. You know, I wouldn't say it's because you know, people are monogamous because of religion. It's just that the religion has been there. They've been pushing this agenda. say, so be a monogamous, you know, the, the union between uh, male and female. And I like how you were talking about how it, it, way back in the day, it used to be female-centered, um, worshipping of the female. And now it's more of like worshipping of the male ego. And I feel like we're actually kind of like going back to worshipping of the the female, the
0: goddess, you know? Yeah. and And what popped in my head is that makes some – some actual practical sense although there's a cultural uh and learned element to all of this that makes it quite difficult to and i and I'd love to ask you some questions after yeah. I make this point that that makes it hard to uh give up those monogamous elements because with monogamy you say you 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 marry that other person you have children with that other person you create a tribe within the tribe right you're now yep. you're now your own little unit within the greater macro sphere mhm and, and then your your community is is within a greater macro sphere and and you know so on and so forth and so I wonder I, I know you didn't start off uh most people see you know because culturally it's just not how it works in the west you didn't start off in a polyamorous setup you lived out a monogamous uh experience more than once definitely
1: right? yeah definitely um and maybe I've told you this before, but you you may get a kick out of this um you know. Uh, just to give a little bit, uh, so I need to I need to tie a few things up. Yeah, uh, yeah, backpedal. <laughs> yeah, backpedal real quick. Um, when we're talking about the fruits of fruits, the cultures, I love everything you said. Uh, for the listener, I just want to say it's just another layer of complexity. Is sure. that we have the luxury in today's culture to add another layer of complexity, and that's pretty much where we're at. And I love uh, guy number one how you pointed out that it's all been centered around kind of like you know this religious uh matriarchal or patriarchal um setup and all and moving forward i'm gonna say um every setup every where there's rules and like rules and boundaries think of them as games and think of it as the simplest game when you were when you were a kid uh like checkers there's rules on how the pieces move and if i were to pick up one of the pieces and move three spots forward um, I would be cheating, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's because I'm being declared a cheater in the context of that game. But if this was, uh, you know, like, uh, Chinese checkers or something, then maybe I would be able to pull off that move because that rule fits that game. So for the listeners, just to, just to keep you in the loop about how I define game, cause I'm going to be saying it a lot, uh, coming up a game to me has rules and boundaries and better distilled is there's negotiables and non-negotiables.
0: How about this? How about this? And sorry to cut you off, but as kid, it, yeah. developmentally as a kid, learning to engage in different forms of play, let's yes, say, are yes. those games. So I think back to, as a kid on, on the, you know, on the playground, Foursquare, yes, Foursquare so, is a yeah. very rudimentary game, but it, it teaches you a lot if you really sit and think about it. Definitely. If, if you have your way, you're allowed to strike. You're not allowed to catch the ball and just throw it and hurl it at someone you can't cross into someone else's square so there's definitely four boundaries there right you got yeah. four societies going on four camps at once yeah um, I just want to throw that out there it's like a for instance if 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 you're throwing out the word game and a listener's saying it's not a game it's serious I'm like every game is serious
1: yeah every game is serious like mm-hmm. your 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 job is a game you know you go there and you do certain functions you get paid a certain way mm-hmm. like you're it's a fucking game. And, and, and I also want to add another layer. There's finite games and there's infinite games. We're not going to get too much into that. But an infinite game, it continues without you. And a finite game, there's a winner and a loser. Mm-hmm. I try to avoid finite games because that kind of mindset can really, uh, in the building of a relationship, damage uh, certain parties. It's rigid. Yeah, it's, it's really rigid. rigid.
0: Um, which, you know, you look at monogamy, it's a very rigid game um but not, uh oh sorry go ahead uh, uh, it can be anyway it can be a very rigid game
1: definitely and to jump back to okay your question okay i've lived uh, out some monogamous relationships yes uh-huh.
0: so what made the transition occur for you
1: for me it was uh having this one relationship and it just obliterated me yeah It it made me question everything mm-hmm. um i was like because at the time i was like I was doing this dance essentially, you know, you mentioned religion earlier. Like I, I was, I was playing new religion game. I was playing mm-hmm. the, the courting game. I was playing mm-hmm. so many games and I was just playing them just to play them because one, I was young, two, I never played them. And three, I was trying them on.
0: And and she was
1: religious or you were religious. She was religious. Okay. She was religious. Yeah, she was. And her family was extremely religious. And so, um, you know, I'm, I don't really want to get into that, but Basically, it just it just really left this bad taste in my mouth, and I I did not want another monogamous relationship. And I just so decided to the next person that I was going to meet or go on a date with, I just told him I was like, hey, I want to be in an open relationship.
0: Mm. Now is that because one. while you were trying to try that mask on of of living in the confounds of that religious game that she had going on, uh, it sounds like that it could end up that you would feel trapped by that after the fact, when it blows up by, you know, saying it, I, I went through all, I was jumping through the hoops. I'm jumping over my hurdles. I'm, I'm, I'm on, everything's on fire on this track. Yeah. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm, I'm breaking a sweat and it still didn't work out. Maybe, the, maybe this isn't the game I want to play.
1: Yeah, dude. uh I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. You yeah. just, yeah, you just hit it on the head and, and when I and I will say, um and I don 't think there's anything wrong with this 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 part right here doesn't get spoken about enough in polyamory mm-hmm. um, when you're going into a polyamory relationship, ask yourself, what are you trying to avoid and for me, it was heartbreak for me, it was abandonment for me, it was rejection and Yeah, you know, being in a poly relationship, starting to open it up or wanting to head to an open relationship was a coping mechanism um, in in many ways. But that doesn't deter um, or take away the richness of my relationship. It doesn't make it false. It doesn't make it um, wrong. I just want to put an emphasis on just if you're opening up the relationship, know why you're doing it. What are you avoiding? And I think that's a very good question to ask yourself because when i realized like wow i'm trying to avoid rejection here i was trying to um you know put some kind of form of control back into my life and once you're able to recognize that i think there's a lot of growth that can happen for an individual and i think it can make the relationship even more healthier
0: it sounds like what what happened was uh if you're saying you're trying to avoid rejection you know, some people try to avoid rejection by not playing the game at all, by never by never actually engaging in romantic uh, relationships. And if, unless you're asexual, um, uh, I, I don't see that being a viable option for anybody. So you took that same, same sense, right? That same feeling, I don't want to go through this rejection game. I don't want to go through this control.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I wasn't uh, saying it so much in my head like that. But I was exhibiting those traits. Yes.
0: Okay. Sure. So it wasn't always consciously understood, but looking back, it kind of makes sense that that, that was a, that was a foot. Yeah. yeah. And and so you, I mean, that wasn't an option for you. It sounds like you 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 you're a sociable person. You're a connective person. So you go off from monogamy and you say, "I'm I mean, going to." What other games are there? What other games are there that will allow me to maintain myself sense of self? Yes. You know? You know, in monogamy, I was telling someone this morning. Uh, we say attachment in the West a lot, or we say, "What are your attachments?" And we like, yeah, tickle. we we look at Buddhism and we translate it into attachments. I say entanglements. Oh uh, yeah, I like that one way better. It wakes. It makes more. Uh, in a, the way I put it, I said attachments is hands and uh, hand holding a hand. Yeah. An entanglement is twister. Yeah. Ent- <laughs> entanglement is if they fall down, I fall down. If I fall down, they fall down. If I tickle them, <laughs> we're going. Yeah. Down. Yeah. You know. And I, I think that that what you're describing is a move from a singular entanglement where you fuse, which seems like a possible loss of individual identity, to a place where maybe you get to cultivate two or multiple identities.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep 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 me moving on
0: that one. Absolutely. So. Do you feel like moving to a polyamorous relationship has allowed you to maintain who you are uh, more so than being in the monogamous relationship?
1: Yes. hundred percent, tenfold. But What comes to mind? Oh man, uh, man, uh, being in a monogamous relationship and also, you know, being an artist, um, an artist for, um, gets into a lot of trouble mm-hmm. and they, you know, they're always doing research as I like to say, you know, they make, they make some life mistakes. I call it research.
0: Some me search.
1: Yes. Yeah. Basically. And, yeah. um, we, so I was, uh, you know, with this, uh, one individual, she, she, you know, she was amazing, but she would not want me to go and hang out with another female because even if we were doing like this artistic project together, but there was no other intention except for the fact that that person was a female. Mm. She did not want that. She did not want me going out and hanging out with this other female who had these expertise in this one field of, uh, you know, work and in, in, in the art, in the, in the artistic world. Um,
0: for what? For, for fear of betrayal.
1: Yeah. 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 Fear of betrayal. And it got to a point where like we would get into these long arguments. And so, for me being an artist i want to be able to talk with anyone without having like fear of like telling you know my significant other who i spoke with mm-hmm. and what their gender was like or how they identify um she didn't care if they were gay or if they were lesbian because that meant that meant that they were not interested in me but those are. Were- Uh, it's just like I just didn't like that and so like yeah I was able to maintain self but in also in that maintaining of self I had to learn a lot about myself I was
0: yeah go for it well well, just to pedal back a second and I thought was starting to slip away as it was being formed was just do you think that just comes down to security just just to you know the level of, of which somebody feels secure like if you're not letting your your significant other go and meet people that would be potentially beneficial from a professional standpoint that's super insecure yeah yeah
1: and that's honestly how a lot of people are a lot of people are just really insecure either with their significant other or insecure with themselves and typically it starts with themselves and then because they're asking themselves like am I not good enough? Am I not enough? Am I not everything you need? Like, cause everyone's been told this story that like, you need to be every single thing for your partner. That's the biggest fucking lie that the world has ever fed any of us. Like your what partner. Do you think
0: would, yeah. What would make that more true? What's a truer statement anyway? A true statement would be come as you are
1: and deal with your own shit. Okay. That's yeah. it. It's like, work in your own garden. Like, this is what I was telling someone last night. I was, I was just like, before you like, like your garden cannot feed the other person entirely. You know, it, 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 I mean, it can, it can be cultivated that way, but it's, we're human. We're so sure. varying. Um, but this is the most important thing. And maybe I'm getting a little derailed and you can correct me if i no, no, no. Um, but I told this other person uh, last night because they they decided to open up their relationship, and I was asking very specific questions about why is it being opened up, and I I'm, I, I you know I'll jump onto you know some some points on opening up a relationship while being in a relationship before ever stating you ever want to be in an open relationship because it started off monogamous we'll talk about that in a minute, but she I was like yo first and foremost you have a garden. Yeah, and that garden needs to be taken care of mm-hmm. by you, by you, no one else. You have solar panels, you know, you have the sprinkler system, you know, you have, you know, when the gardener's coming, you know how this whole fucking garden's working. You're taking care of yourself first You know where you're growing. Is it edible? Yes. Is
0: it not? Is it poisonous? Ooh, yes. Is poisonous? Yes. Mm-hmm. And
1: that right there. I, kill
0: your cat. <laughs> dude, Facts. Yeah. yeah. Is this yeah. plant going to give me
1: an upset stomach? Like. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh man, and I just had to hammer that one home. And so many people just don't take care of themselves and they want the other person to take care of them. Like, be there for me. Oh, I'm hurting. Be there for me. Like, yeah, be there. But don't de-self. Don't start kicking up your garden in order to like make room for you know someone else's garden. That's just not how it works. At the end of the day, you are Ultimately, the one and only person who can take care of you, and you need to know what you want and what you um, what you want, what you desire, what's useful to you. You need to know these things about yourself. So, for me, a poly- polyamory relationship is a like, uh, exploration of self that it, that adds complexity um, because it's constant communication in order to bring two people together to bring this like symbiotic relationship uh, together no no, no. To, to take
0: that, to take that analogy further the if you're doing a monogamous relationship what i see in my head is there's a garden it mm-hmm. doesn't matter it doesn't matter whose plot is the, is the plot although you could say the plot let's just say the plots an apartment or a living dwelling something okay. like that and somebody's coming over and they're transplanting their plants in their and, and let's yep. just say let's just say their lawn gnomes into your fucking garden mm-hmm. and you have to know what what plant will siphon from you know some plants are are uh, invasive species, they're yeah, resource hogs, uh huh, the resource hogs, and they, they pull from other other plants. Some plants require a certain amount of sunlight, a certain amount of water. Um, so so when you're transplanting in somebody else's uh, plants and, and, and features into your garden, you have to know where everything fits so that it won't it won't die off. Maybe you want you know if they're transplanting weeds over on accident, you want those to die off. Die off. Oops, sorry, I dropped my mic there. Oh, yeah, you're good. But when I hear polyamorous, now I see potted plants. Okay. Because you're moving. Sure. Now, and I'm not saying you don't have your own garden, that like you don't have your own space. But I'm saying when you're going from person to person, it's kind of like you're bringing a house plant with you almost like a piece of you.
1: Oh, okay. I like, I'll, I'll, I like where you're Does going that with make sense? A, yeah. Let's switch that on one up. Uh, let's go with the, uh, the bumblebee. Okay. You know, the bumblebee is going to, you know, pollinate, you know, it's going to go and inspect the flowers. It's going right. to, you know, take some pollen from here, bring it back that's what I would say. And sometimes, you know, maybe they get a little seed attached to them and that seed comes back and grows in your garden. Sure. Yeah. And I like the way you were setting it up and monogamy. Like it's like the sharing of this one plot of land, which is that one garden. Um, But I really think, and I'm not saying this is like the best way uh, to do it, but I think, a lot of people don't have a healthy enough relationship uh, for their own garden. so they combine these gardens and monogamy and you know, it's still just as, you know, tumultuous. It's, it's still just, it's two plots of it's two gardens put together, but no one really has like complete ownership of their own garden.
0: Because if there's, if your partner's plant needs sunlight, and you just have a lot of narcissistic plants, um, just soaking it all up, then you're just watching that part of your partner shrivel.
1: Yeah. And I think that the the better way to have it is maintain your own garden, and then you both can go into each other's garden to share that love. Like, I like as that as
0: that bumblebee.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like how Wismith Smith uh, and J- you know Jada said it. Um, you know, a lot of people have been giving them a lot of uh, you know a lot of
0: slack. They really buy- they really have been getting a lot of shit, haven't they?
1: Yeah, and I have no idea why. Like, I mean, I get you know, societally, like why everyone's like fucking taking a dump on him, but honestly like i I love the what will said uh back in the day he was like i i am in charge of my happiness she's in charge of her happiness and together we come together and share that happiness and -hmm. like that is it that is that's the fucking money right there like you are in charge of your own happiness and you share that happiness so all right uh getting like so like okay, we're, so we're talking about this garden. We we're
0: talking about, yeah, we we're initially talking about your transition over and I think we've we kind of touched on it, but then you were starting to talk about, and maybe you want to get to it. Maybe you don't, uh, opening up a monogamous relationship to something polyamorous, something a little more open, a little more flexible.
1: Yeah. Um, I think before we get to that, let, let's define, uh, polyamory in, in. In my terms, like a healthy polyamorous relationship. Yes, please. And, and that would be in the beginning. Um, both people need to know what they what they want. You need to, like. I knew that I wanted to be in an open relationship. So if you want to have an open relationship, start the relationship by saying that. But this is this is the the caveat. If you're going to have a relationship, if you're going to be a a poly uh, poly individual, and you want to have a significant other. Um, I like the word partner. Some people use the word primary.
0: Now you used to use the word primary. I know that's changed for you.
1: Yeah, I used to use that word because I was trying it on. I wasn't really sure about it. But at the in the end of the day, it alienates, you know, Any whoever potential. is yeah. Yeah, potential. Like who wants to be secondary? Who wants nah, to be called? <laughs> hey, I'm second. Like, man, get the fuck away from me with that shit. It's like, yeah. no, I'm just another partner as well.
0: Like now, did you use primary when you and your your partner uh, were each other's actual primaries? Like you didn't have a, a second uh, or another partner? Let's say you were using that. Before, like, like yeah, maybe you guys were dating and seeing other people, but and I'm remembering back just to the time fine. there were more. There were some casual outside relationships, mm-hmm. um, but I think you started to change from primary to to partner uh, over time as I know your partner has another, uh, another, what would you say, core relationship, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. In the beginning, you know, I did say, uh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Just give a little bit more light about the way I set mine up. And I think this is the move. Um, if you're going to, if you want another pr- uh, partner, a primary partner, a significant other, the person that you want to like, I say, die with, you know, someone who's that significant to you, you need to build a foundation, and you need to build that foundation one with the intention in mind. So the intention was to open up this relationship, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I told her that. Uh, then I went into building this foundation, and building the foundation it, to me is getting to know her, getting to know what she likes, getting to know what she doesn't like. We're building like our home together. It's almost like you know she has her garden, and I have my garden, but now we're building a house, and we need a rock solid foundation. And I like how someone said this to me the other day. Uh, I think you know this individual as well, but think of it as a bank account. You need to have enough money in the account in order to make a withdrawal, Mm -hmm. just in general, just in general. So if you're gonna go and share your resources with someone else, you need to have enough credit in the bank in order to pull it out or enough money in the bank to pull it out in order to give it to that other person deposit it into their bank sure um I, I like i like that little um you know analogy because I, I stress this so much for others build the foundation for the person that you want to stay in your life because polyamory is complex Com- polyamory right. is hard polyamory is work mm-hmm. it is work every relationships
0: everyone, in general right i mean yes
1: yeah in hey. general but everyone thinks that not everyone that's a that's a far statement, but a lot of people think that it's just like when you're poly, you're just fucking other people,
0: and that's yeah. just not that's not that's not what it is. It's yeah. For a friend of a friend of mine, I was telling her uh, how your lifestyle a little bit, and and you know she's she's kind of a funny individual mm-hmm. and, but her response was like so like do they hear each other with the other partner in the other room or do they all like you know and i think like, that's a good question yeah yeah or like is there like a uh, you know is there kind of that ménage trois kind of threes company kind of you know uh people always harp on the sex element you know yeah they it's, do. The, it's the sex element that really gets to people and i yeah exactly and
1: i and i think when i hear when i hear that they're just projecting they're like ooh that's a little weird man oh how would i feel if i could just hear my partner you know getting railed in, in the next
0: those room those were her exact words getting, <laughs> like does he just hear her getting railed i'm like i don't think anyone is trying to like, right. like you know just like that's not the setup anyone wants really no, unless not unless at all. you do unless you do i mean like
1: definitely and i think that's kink. yeah exactly you get into the conversation of kinks yeah and and uh, yeah man yeah I, I, There's so much like preconceived notions about polyamory and, you know, yeah, sorry. I'm just like getting all lost in the headspace.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think talking to you and our friendship has opened my eyes to a lot of how beautiful it can be. Um, the, The classic, so you got your implicit statements and your explicit statements, right? And most things about polyamory or multiple partnerships are implicitly learned things. So like they're implied. Yeah, you, know, you you know they're kind of they're kind of you know I ha- I hate to give the uh, the cultural uh, the culturalist let's say their di- their day but they have some you know not everything they say is is accurate but in the in the way that we learn things uh, subliminally um, through our interactions moralizing it finding out what we decide not not even what we decide what we think is good and bad and we're not even thinking we're just going on autopilot um, we we learn these things implicitly and for people who are in really, you know, there's an idea. I think one of the ideas is evolutionary science talks about, uh, paternity uncertainty, going back to like native American the mm-hmm. Native American comment. Oh yeah. But yeah. The way that paternity uncertainty is resolved is, is either these days is a, is a blood test. Um, but back in the back, you know, in, in probably in cultures now that can't get those tests. I, I'm sure there are some, um, you just, you either guess who the father is or, or everyone's involved. And paternity uncertainty is a big, a big, uh, element of it, but I don't think that's what it is. Sex is pleasurable. It's a drug in its own right. And people, and people see it as this covetous thing that because there's oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin going out the yin yang, dopamine being pleasure, serotonin being contentment, oxytocin being closeness uh, and intimacy. And when it comes to the oxytocin, that's what makes people nuts. You know, it really is. It's not the pleasure. I mean, if if it was just pleasure, you know, sex addicts can go and just have sex and that's pleasure. But having sex with a particular individual, that's oxytocin. Yeah. Right. I agree with that. You know, when I hear people talking about polyamory and throwing those projections onto it, well, something comes to mind for me. And I think I remember I was driving home from work one day and I was chatting with you. And for those of you who haven't figured it out, who are listening is we used to talk we still talk. Yeah, we, we still talk a lot every over day, the phone. Day, like the yeah. reason why we ended up doing this podcast is because we were like, if if somebody was a fly on the wall for some of these conversations, yes. Um, and one w- one of the conversations that we had is I gave you a a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. Thought experiment. It's all it is. It's not even an opinion. On I look at I, I really like mythology and I really like you know I like Greek uh, Greek history and Greek culture and and you know they had like a thousand what you would call provinces essentially. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember what the what the actual technical word is. It starts with a P, I think though. And polyps? Nah, that's not it. <laughs> and um they would go from like, you know, you had, you had Athens, so Athena, mm-hmm. you had Herculaneum, so Hercules, mm-hmm. you had uh uh different different city-states, let's say, or or towns, um, for each god. Yeah. And if you were trying to go to Aphrodite, you didn't necessarily Go to Aphrodite in your town if there wasn't a shrine to Aphrodite. So you went to another town if she was the the main goddess there. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought, one, it's a lot. You know, you're making a pilgrimage and you're making. You're generally speaking, you're giving something to the temple, right? You, yeah. Money, uh, food, or whatever. Like an offering. You make a tribute, an offering. And I, I think of relationships as, as that as making an offering. Every every time you get into a relationship, you're either being siphoned of your resources or you're gaining resources or trading. Yeah. And I always thought, and I still, t- you know, there's still a part of me that it finds it dubious because I think for my wiring, I'd have a hard time with a polyamorous setup. Yeah. Um, I just don't have a ton of energy. I spend a lot of time trying to make sure that my resources are cultivated in myself. True. And this could be the disconnect here. Uh, talking about, you know, tending to yourself and then having your partner. Yeah. But, that's the way I classically thought about. it. It's like you can't constantly make a pilgrimage from place to place. Now, sure, you can go to one God get you know get blessing. And when yeah. I say God, you know what I mean by God.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That that's the deification of of that other individual. They're so big in your totally.
1: Office. And and uh, just to jump back, so like sure. when you you are you you said that you know classic, you know not classically you would have a harder time. You're imagining taking this pilgrimage, and because you need to maintain self. And you can do that for one person. You could do that for one God, right? Like you can right. do that for one person. You can offer all yourself to this one person is what you're saying. And then, right. But I feel like w- what you're touching on as well as like jealousy.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to get into that because how do you, how, how have you worked past jealousy is Almost. I would argue, I'd argue, but I can't say because of culture but I'd argue that mm-hmm. it's biologically prewired, and oh, yeah. I'd argue it because we could be jealous about a lot of stuff. Totally. Um, but as, as far as relationships goes, I don't, I don't know if it's actually biologically pre-wired for relationships though. The oxytocin argument would say probably. Yeah. How do you push past that?
1: That's a good question. Um, jealousy is jealousy, envy. Um, I'm going to throw in a judgment. Um, okay. I'm going to throw that one in there. But because they like they they all kind of mingle together
0: now, you you've heard my devil's triad, right yes definitely yeah, yeah. shame yeah. Uh, shame, judgment, and uh, control control, thank you definitely and I think those three they play in most places, but they really uh, do that, that one seems- that,
1: that that's a brilliant little uh tool um yeah. but let's talk about jealousy because like we're gonna bring that one up that sure. tool is like such a it's so it's like a scalpel. Yeah, yeah, um, I love it. But when we're talking about jealousy and how, um, I deal with it for, you know, my relationships, one, you got to like have that conversation with yourself. What are you jealous about? You know, are you jealous Mm -hmm. about, you know, uh, your partner sharing some time with someone else? Are you jealous about them holding hands? Are you jealous? They get specific. You know, are you jealous about them imagining them having sex? Are you jealous Mm -hmm. about hearing them have sex? Mm -hmm. Um, are you jealous? Like, it's just like that jealousy, you need to find where that plant is in your garden and you need to see what it's entangled with um, around
0: it. That's and, complicated. Cause in my brain said, is sex? Yeah, sex would be it, but let's go back. Let's trail it back something like yeah, yeah. affection, affection. Oh, that's a big and, one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think if I saw my significant other giving affection to someone, there's yeah. a sense, there's a fear that I might lose my own.
1: Yeah, you're like, oh, that's mine. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, oh, how dare you? That was mine. Like, you gave it away. Yeah. And then, like, they come back to you and they're like, no, I still love you. And you're like, yeah, but now there's this piece missing. And it's like, what's missing? And, you know, I can't tell the, you know, you listener, or I can't even tell you how to get rid of jealousy. But I can say, though, if you want to be in an open relationship, you're going to have to work on it. And you're going to have to find where it stems from. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's a lot in times parts work. That's figuring out where in your childhood, um, you you know, figure out the relationship with your mom, figure out the relationship with your dad, um, you know, go to some therapy, uncover that stuff, figure out what it is. Is it resource? Is it affection? Are you like, you know, find how you share share your love language. And that's typically where your jealousy will lie. If you Mm -hmm. are... Um, if your love language is um, acts of service, and you do an act of service for someone else, and that stirs up jealousy, okay, then we know that when someone does an act of service um, in this relationship, that's going to stir up some jealousy for you. So focus in on that. That's the. That's really the only thing I can say is like, only you know how to mitigate the jealousy. You have the antidote to the jealousy. Um, and you need to work on that. I just don't know how to distill that. But I will say No, no, but don't go for it. Uh for me, my jealousy was what is my jealousy? I never really had the hard, jealous, like visceral feeling in my gut. No, I, I just I just never did. Um
0: not in your relationship currently.
1: Yeah. You sure? Yeah, really? Like- oh well. It's just like when I think of jealousy, I'm thinking of like the biggest, greenest monster. But every once in a while, yeah, I'll get jealous.
0: Envy then.
1: Yeah. yeah, or a little greed. En- Envy yeah. or
0: greed or something. Yeah,
1: it'd be like envy because like uh, this is a classic one, especially in polyamory. Is like, okay, you know, you've been with this par- partner for so long. Um, you know, sex has been great. The relationship is great. And a new partner comes in. You get a lot of uh, new relationship energy. Then you, you know you're spending all this time with this new person. Then the other person can get jealous of that time. Mm-hmm. That's a very common one. I've had that one. Um, but for me, I always reflected back. And you know this. Like, y- don't get me wrong. I go through the throws. Sure. Like it's like being a ship on a crazy fucking raging ocean. And you know I'm like breaker breaker, <laughs> come in, help me. I need some guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's the fact that I'm able to um, hold on one second, getting, getting, getting a note off stage. Okay. So I got, I got a note off stage and it says uh, um, my partner um, says uh, jealousy is ego and love is love. Mm. Um, Hey, could come up here real quick. I'm going to have a girl. Number one, step in uh talk surprise about this. surprise
0: guest surprise
1: guest player number three has player entered. number
0: three is online
1: all right so i'm gonna yeah go go for it and go ahead and speak i'm gonna see if i could turn this speaker so we
0: can both hear mic check one two yes yes
2: you can also have me on as a guest another time
0: we're planning on it that's the plan
2: <laughs> i'm having a hard time sitting downstairs and listening to the holly and marie conversation and not
0: I, I i think i think i think you i think you need to be here yeah yeah <laughs> into, what, what's uh, been coming to mind for you yeah every since
1: uh everything that you've heard what uh-huh. is, what are some things that you want to chime in uh grow number one
2: um i i think jealousy is a really interesting conversation to have and it's much larger than just talking about um jealousy in romantic relationships, jealousy can have its roots in career jealousy, Mm -hmm. um, spiritual jealousy, um, financial jealousy. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that jealousy can manifest in life. And so a lot of people try to just hone in on the romantic jealousy because it's been conditioned in us from our culture. It's been conditioned in us from stories that we tell ourselves. It's always kind of this cultural story that people perpetuate and i think that we perpetuate it onto each other and i don't think that it needs to be a real thing at all any more than um i don't know compersion is in fact when you think about it when we're young oh, and- hold
1: on i'm gonna interrupt uh, can you tell uh i was gonna uh, yeah what is I was com- gonna ask
0: because you taught me this
1: term
2: oh um uh- mm-hmm. I don't really have a good definition that's putting me on the spot right now for this. Podcast. Okay. I'm
1: going to jump in on this one. Compersion essentially is um, when you're able to see your partner, uh, like essentially hold hands, give affection and you feel nothing but the deepest love. You're like, yes, look at them go. Mm-hmm. That's compersion. You're like cheering them on. You're, che- you're like their personal side cheerleader and you're, a, you're exuberant and you're feeling joyful for the fact that they are sharing and having that love, receiving that love, getting that affection—that's um, compersion—and see quite opposite of jealousy.
0: So that'd be like uh, either either sympathetic love, or or maybe even at a deeper level, empathic love. You feel the love through someone else for your partner. Definitely,
2: absolutely. But it can happen for parents and their children too. Such sure. as when you when a mother sees the father and the child having a really wonderful time together, she feels compersion. Yeah, um, yeah. I think in some unhealthy situations, she feels jealousy because yeah. she's jealous that she's not having that relationship or that moment with her child the way that her husband is.
0: That's a little Oedipal right there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is jealousy is not just a romantic thing. And everyone right. likes to fixate on it like it is. Like, what mm-hmm. do you do about jealousy? Like, yeah. that's just, that's the huge um a misnomer. It's a fallacy. It does not have to exist. We perpetuate it ourselves, which is a, it's a belief that we hold about ourselves and we hold about other people and we are inherently insecure with trusting other people because we harbor these and fallacies of jealousy. Jealousy does not have to exist. Um, because jealousy is the ego. It is your, um,
1: I would say protection mechanism for the, uh, you know the the resources right yeah yeah totally yeah for resources
2: yeah. that's are really good yeah your ego is saying if you let this get away or you want that because you need that you need that to survive you need that to thrive you need that and um in fact it's when saying sorry what's your, what are you guy number guy
0: number two today
2: and when guy number two was saying that um jealousy is uh oh my god i've totally lost my train of thought
1: sorry i'm just making some notes uh sorry listeners uh you're definitely going to hear some you know a previous bleep
0: just a little no. beep. <laughs> we've done it before won't be the uh, last time
1: just, uh, keep, keep the conversation moving forward i actually have a question um and i think this is a a, a wonderful um little bit because my partner's right here in and you know live with me. Mm-hmm. So um, girl number one, how do you deal with jealousy? And how did you deal with jealousy? Like, how did it come up in in our relationship?
2: Um, I think that it took a lot of work. And there was no one moment where I could look at myself in the mirror and say, I have slain the dragon. I am no longer yeah. jealous. There is no one moment that happens. Jealousy is something that will surprise you. It'll come around the corner. It'll, um, you can't plan for it. And I guess with our relationship specifically, we just had to talk about it. I think that it was really important to find you and find someone who is deeply compassionate and a good listener so that when you bring up these uglier feelings, because you always feel a lot of guilt about jealousy too. You say, I shouldn't feel jealous. I shouldn't. Mm. Uh, you try to talk yourself out of the feeling and I think um what's been really awesome is when you find somebody who's willing to listen to your ugly feelings and have patience with your ugly feelings and you also accept that you have ugly feelings and you don't necessarily try to hide them or wish them away but you bring them out into the light so that you can both look at them together.
1: Yeah I, I love uh everything that you just touched on um yeah so one of the biggest tenets for polyamory is that um, communication. That's number one. That, that's your currency. Um, communicate, 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 communicate. And if you, don't, if you think you're communicating enough, you're probably not communicating enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, and when I hear ugly feelings uh, from girl number one, I hear I'm having a reaction to some need that either I am not consciously aware of or I haven't articulated yet. Not being met, and it takes a lot of bravery to come to the person, even the person you love, because we're talking about being afraid of not getting your needs met. And like, go oh, and I and I appear aggressive and not not assertive. There's a difference. If I appear aggressive, then I'm definitely not going to get my needs met if somebody leaves me. And I think that's a that's a huge. Is that is that a big part of the dynamic, or is there such a flexibility and such a, a level of trust based on how well you communicate that? I don't know if this is making sense, but it's 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 that do you both feel that you're just so secure in the rules in the game that you set up that you're going to communicate?
2: No, I mean, I think communication is some is um is practice. communication's almost like a discipline. It's learning how to spell for the first time or make letters use your alphabet for the first time mm. it's it's messy in the beginning. It's messy in the beginning but you get better with practice.
1: Definitely. And uh some of the rules uh that I that I implemented in the, in the very beginning is the aligning of my definitions with her definitions. Like what like what you know and it, and it, that kind of goes back to the rules and the boundaries. What are the negotiables and the non-negotiables? What's a hard fast you know when you break a rule there's consequences right away. When you go and tr- trespass in a boundary um, there's consequences, but it's typically a warning first. And so what I'm saying is that, like, uh, I guess, like, I'm kind of, like, a little aloof, but, you know, communication is not something pre-built in. We built it in.
2: We built it in together. We
1: baked it into the cake, yes. and we know the ingredients. We know how to approach one another. Sometimes it gets very messy, and sometimes it gets to the point where, like, we're, we're both kind of fuming under the under the seams but we typically do our best to come to this middle area and be like, Hey, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? And without taking away from how the other person feels, describe how you feel and then try to make a compromise. Like have the discussion, understand the definitions. If you don't understand what someone is saying, then you need clarification and, um, Girl, number one i mean like you've been in this relationship with me for about four and a half years like i i've definitely gone off the off the rails i've i've said some stupid stupid things how how have you maintained um composure in the face of uh of
0: his stupidity
1: yes exactly my fucking stupidity <laughs> like I, I just just a, a funny thing that popped in my head i think the listeners were fucking find this funny because i find it funny it always pops in my head like when oh, uh, what is uh, guy number two's uh, stupidity? Uh, just imagine guy number two getting so uh, furious. He's in his underwear. He, like, slams a door, goes outside, and throws a lawn chair.
0: Like, mm-hmm. like T- – Now, not Tidy Whities are briefs. It was <laughs> briefs. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Boxer briefs is what I was going for. Same thing. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, wait, like, like –
1: it's not like all hunk dory over here all the time. It's fucking challenging. It's work, it's work, it's work, it's work. Like, but we choose to be in this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, so how have you dealt with in the face of my stupidity, talking to me, <laughs> even though I'm having a hard time maybe communicating or we're just not hitting, the, you know, the same, same levels or same peaks, you know, we're just not hitting it. Like, what, what are some things that you do or have done?
2: any couple in any kind of relationship dynamic whether it's monogamy or non-monogamy has hard times understanding each other all the time and i suppose we all cope in different ways depending on the situation and depending what has transpired how serious the situation is but um, If you really love someone, everyone knows this, we've all been in relationships where they hit a really rough patch or a really rough time, and you just love someone through it, and either you love them through it to a good ending, or you love them through it to a sad ending, bad ending, and I think that I've always just loved guy number two through to a good ending.
0: And I love that you said any relationship, because I think what happens is with polyamory is it gets put under this like alien microscope. And although we were talking about it earlier, the history of relationships as as I can recall it, is that polyamory structurally has been around in a lot of ways. Uh, either it was around initially or it's been around almost almost if not just as long as this this monogamous coupling that has become just kind of a pervasive last three thousand years or so. Uh, way of of doing things, and you know when we when we try and make the distinction between mon- monogamy and polyamory, I think we we can really make a be- we can make a better case for both by looking at what they have in common because there's people involved in both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, guy number two is bringing up like uh, what things from like your childhood pop up, and and that Freudian kind of thought makes a lot of sense to me. in that if you go back, and I, I think back to you guys have siblings, I have I have a sibling. Uh, how you asked mom or dad for that attention as a kid, as a young kid, you kind of whine or you try not to whine so that you look good. Yeah. Right. Right. And I imagine in, you know, monogamy aside, I will set it aside for a second because you could have either of those dynamics, but either one has their, the pitfall because you got one person there and you're negotiating with, with this, maybe as many layered parts. Um, Do you guys ever notice yourselves negotiating with one of your partners in a way that is classic for you, like just something that's old. Like, has there ever like pop up in the moment? I know that we're talking about patterns here, but has that ever popped up for either of you? Cause I do that in my own just personal relationships, you know? And and so again, talking about commonalities, talking about people, there's stuff that pops up from when I was a kid, just being the, the whiny only son, you know, just like being like if mom's giving my sister love, I'm not getting love. If my friend is giving another friend love, oh man, I might lose that friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just throwing that out there. It's just kind of like this free form kind of free associative thought, you know, what comes to your mind with negotiating with yourself? Because you're talking about negotiating with each other, uh, you know, going back to handling your own garden, right?
1: Yeah. I, I I feel like, There
0: was kind of a question in there. (laughs) Yeah. What's popping in my
1: mind is that like you're talking about old patterns. And for me, when I was in third grade, like my first relationship was an open relationship. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have that intention. But like, you know, these two girls wanted to date me and, and I had my first relationship being this little polycule. And, and so for me, I always kind of think back to
0: that pattern. Like, big big playground
1: yeah it's like you know like it that to me like yeah when I'm having any partner that kind of flashes through my head I'm back in third grade and it's we're just kids we're just playing like
2: it's interesting there was a lot that you were saying in yeah. that question I know, discussion. What, yeah. <laughs> there was, there's a lot to un- unpack actually there because you're talking about patterns when you're young and then also negotiating with partners and old patterns and I mean there's a lot to that I think psychologically for me when I was younger this is not a romantic example at all but when I was younger I was definitely very jealous of my friend's attention as you were saying when my friends were hanging out with each other without me it was always a kind of point of contention with me when I was younger I was very passionate and very intense and my mother had numerous conversations with me to kind of talk me out of the jealousy complex. And again, from a young age, we're often encouraged by adults and by our mentors to not be jealous of our loved ones or of our friends. You know, jealousy is a bad thing. You should be happy that your friends are off at the circus without you, or you should be happy that your friend got on the cheerleading squad and you didn't. You should be happy for them. And I think culturally we're like programmed to train the jealousy out of ourselves at a young age, but not when it comes to relationships. No, no, no. Mom and dad want you to just have that one person someday for the rest mm, of your life. Yeah. And they train and they train that into you. And so when you're talking about negotiating, it does go back really deeply and really far as to what is okay to be jealous about and what is not okay to be jealous about.
1: I just want to jump yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're talking about jealousy and how like, uh, you know, mom is telling you to make pruning out the jealousy for friends and whatnot, but not pruning out the jealousy for relationships. What, what did she say? I'm going for a very specific thing. what did she say to you when you told her, Hey, me and guy number two, we're in an open relationship.
0: What, what if you're you comfortable sharing, you are anonymous I, here.
2: <laughs> I remember very distinctly that when I told my mom that my relationship was open, she said something to the extent of, you don't, you're not enough to satisfy him, or you're not enough for him, or he doesn't think that your relationship is enough.
1: Yeah, like you you're like you're not the one and only. You're not supplying me with every single, you know, all my wants and desires. Well what's like,
2: interesting about it too is it had this tone of like, What's wrong with you?
1: Like judgment.
2: What's wrong with you that you can't keep a man happy and he feels he has to go outside of his of, of this relationship in order to get his needs met. That's also something that comes up a lot in polyamorous conversations is you don't get all of your needs met by one person. How odd. Yeah.
0: How dare you? How strange. It's kind of, it's kind of paradoxical, right? It's like saying you, you as a human are imperfect, but you need to be perfect for this other human. It's like, Whoa, the fuck is that?
1: Yeah. Like, and that's the narrative that everyone's getting.
2: It's very confusing, which is why relationships are often really, really hard is we're sure. coming we're getting hit on all sides by these very controversial and opposite ideas like, Oh, you're perfect. Just the way you are. However, if you're not enough for somebody, then
1: there's something wrong, something wrong
2: with you or, um,
1: which isn't the case.
2: (laughs) And you will find someone where you are enough for them. And you've just got to wait around until you find that certain soulmate someone
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always for, for the poly, poly community, it's always been among those that I would say are more of the liberal alignment if we're going to go with like, I don't know, a value standpoint, like, the you know, liberals have a certain value umbrella. Sure. And one of those things being openness, tolerance, acceptance, trying to get to acceptance if you can. But what's interesting about what you just said is that it made me think actually like that libertarian value structure of minimal influence from the outside. You still want to get your resources from the outside, talking about balance, talking about harmony. You yes. still want to get some of your influences. You don't want to like you don't want to disrupt the relationship with your mom and you don't want to disrupt your relationship with another partner potentially. It's that you're you're talking about getting in a way it makes more sense for me in that way. It's like you're getting your resources and your needs met from many vantage points just as maybe your partner is hopefully your partner is as well, because we all have different places we plug in. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but you're right within people, when it comes to romantic relationships, we only get one plug, at least in the West, generally speaking, monogamy says one plug, that's it. That's the way it's going to be. And that doesn't, that doesn't take individual predisposition or or desire into account at all.
1: No, no, not at all. And uh, just to kind of talk about what kind of came to my mind when when you mentioned all that, um when we set up these games these relationships a lot of people like in monogamy they'll do this thing where if you leave the relationship and have a relationship with someone else sexually you're cheating but in other instances it could be emotional cheating and that's if not worse than the physical interaction um well, it depends who you are. It's like, yeah, it depends on who you are. Um, but that kind of came to mind.
0: I kind of hear that Ross and Rachel they were on a break thing, didn't mean anything. That's yeah. Like, okay. All right. Cool. Like you're, you're you know, she's, she's leaning on kind of what's kind of important to her, which is the emotional element of it. It's like, all right, you did this physical act. Is this important? So you got those two parts of it. How do you separate the sex from the emotional elements? if in relationships in general, how do any of us do it? Cause I struggle with it. I, I see it as a deeply, deeply personal act, but I'm coming yeah. from the framework of monogamy.
2: I think you could have a whole podcast just on sex. Yeah. And for our real. Feelings totally. Sex.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah.
2: I think it's enough to even just talk about romantic relationships right now. You start bringing the conversation of sex into it. It gets very
0: complicated. gets complicated for sure.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of feelings there and a lot of situations and stipulations that change. Yeah, it,
1: it, it sounds like what you're talking about, number one, uh, is essentially there is um, the negotiables and non negotiables discussed between a, a partner, two people, and about, you know, because you said uh, stipulations about how that action transfers. So it's like, for example, like um, prime example, me going out and seeing someone else, you and I have discussed what we feel comfortable knowing about what we did with the other person and right. Like we have those stipulations. So you're talking about it. So essentially what I'm hearing is like, you're just mentioning that there is a prearranged agreement on how the couple operate and that's how the feelings and the energy transfer when it comes to sex and it comes to, um, you know, emotional relationships you feel that like it's
2: i guess i i didn't quite hear that in the conversation what i was alluding more to is um when you're taking sex into account there's so many variables there's so many variables i mean there's gender there's there's biology there's um who you're sexually attracted to versus who you want to have a romantic relationship with some people Mm -hmm. actually don't want to feel a romantic relationship at all and are quite asexual and just right. want to exist on their own but then to exist on your own doesn't necessarily mean being lonely it means right. wanting companionship but being asexual meaning you don't want sex i mean there's a million different orientations in the world that we could talk about where sex comes into play and so when two people are in a relationship you're assuming one that both of them are sexually right and it's like that might not be it at all what if what a woman is asexual and the man is a deeply charged sexual being and she says i don't want you to go out and have sex and he's like well i love you but i this is something that i need i need to get my Mm -hmm. and I
0: it's a multi-contextual hydra in its own way so what what if we just said though what if we did just break it down to both parties being um what would you say um well, just being sexual. We'll just say that. And, and both part, I mean, it will break down even further. Let's just say heterosexual setup. Um, just to, I don't know, boil it down to something else. Sure. As, you know, cause I hear you, we could totally go out and, yeah. you know, four hour podcast, just trying to figure it out here. Yeah. I think we, I think we need other, other, other folks to give us their perspectives on that. So let's just say, you know, navigating, cause that's what we were talking about earlier. And I'm not sure if you heard, we were talking about, a lot of the emphasis on this, uh, if you go to like evolutionary science, uh, those guys, and anthropologists, they talk about a, a concept called paternity uncertainty. And paternity uncertainty is that in older tribes or older societies, because they couldn't do a paternal test, a lot of the um, a lot of the anxiety is placed on the fact that they didn't know who the father was, and that bothered people uh, just not knowing whose lineage was what. And in some societies, you know, classically, they talk about Native American societies in the U.S. Or, or not even the U S in on this continent prior to being the U S there was this idea that if you didn't know, but you had, had been with an, an individual, uh, if you'd been with that woman, then you essentially take responsibility as, as being whether you're called the primary father or the uncle or what have you. So there's a lot of emphasis placed on sex. Um, but there's also the, the biological element of it, which is oxytocin dopamine and serotonin. Mm-hmm. And, that's where jealousy boils up when sex gets involved is there's all these attachment hormones totally flooding your system. And it seems like because there's a biological predisposition to be like, Hey, those things are going on. And like, I'm, this is my person. um, There's an element of that that's cultural and there's an element of that that's biological. And how do you negate the biological? What, what, because you could be a behaviorist, right? You can do behavioral things to to negate the biological, like having, having communication, like being engaged in a you know, communicative process and figuring out not just if, you're, if your definitions align, but what are your individual philosophies. So I guess that just breaking it down to just a couple, heterosexual couple in um, polyamory or even in monogamy, um, how, where, where does sex play a role, I guess? What, what role does it play?
2: Again, that's an individual. Yeah.
0: yeah sure. Well, I'm asking two I'm asking two individuals. You both can okay. give me a okay, different
1: sure. answer. Sure. sure. Oh, okay. So okay. How does sex play into I'm our not asking individual?
0: you to answer for everybody? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I, was I was like, like yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have been more clear. All
2: right. You're like, let's take a yeah. heterosexual couple. I'm like, okay. How
1: does sex play into our life is the question. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Individually or yeah. together. Or however. Yeah.
1: Um, how does sex play into our our life? Um for me, it's uh, I've learned through being poly that I get to learn a lot about my sexuality. I mm. get to have this freedom, as I would say, it's like I get to, you know, have this wonderful garden that I get to come back to when I go out into the world and scrape my knee, you know, like if, if I get emotionally hurt or turned down, rejected. So for me how does sex play a role? Sex for me has been, uh, hugely, uh, a a very explorative thing for me. Um, yeah. I mean like prime example, I mean like last night I was hanging out with, uh, another person, another person that I really (laughs) enjoy in my life. And I'm, you know, talking about heterosexual, like I don't orient myself as, you know, being like gay or or by, but I'm definitely curious and I got to spend like a wonderful night with uh, another man and you know I love that so I get for me when it comes to sex it's highly explorative you know I get to learn more about these wild primal urges inside of me that I just don't know how to put into words
0: So would you say it's something more experiential than I think what we throw sex under is this ritualized uh, kind of, like, I I always hear sex of being thrown, this is the implicit bias I hear is throwing sex under this ritual that, you know, when people get married, they have sex, they consummate the relationship, and then that's the bond, and that's like what they are. Um, Do you guys, you know, is is that a, for either of you, is that a view, because that's not always a view I have on sex, casual sex is different for me than if i'm trying to forge a relationship let's say
1: yeah i agree with i agree with all that and and i gotta say like when you say ritualistic for me it's the transfer of energy Mm -hmm. for me it's a choice like for me i'm choosing to transfer this energy for me it's i'm choosing to share this with someone else i've been i've become very like particular when it comes to who i'm sharing what with and because for me it's all about the energy so i like how you chose ritualistic Cause to ritualistic drums up energy and mm. there is that transference of energy. And it's a, I do believe that's a very, um, what would it, what would be the word, uh, honor, not honorable, uh, sacred. Yeah. It's a, very, it's a very sacred thing. And, but I'm still like, it's just, yeah. When sex comes into the conversation for us, for me, it's been very explorative. Sure
2: there's an assumption that sex is this coupling and consummating of your romantic lives together it's like when you are in an intimate relationship with someone there's the assumption that you're having sex and um, I guess I have a different relationship with sex as well and I don't necessarily feel that every single person that I have had sex with, I've come into this sacred contract of right. coupling. Mm-hmm. And in that way, in a very contemporary world, I have the privilege of exploring the different aspects of sex. And I don't have to look at it as a survival instinct. Mm-hmm. I don't have to choose one person to be the paternal parent of my children. I have the privilege of getting to explore this very primal behavior in a really contemporary way. I guess if you just take it out of context, sex is different for me. It's not all about an intimate coupling. Yeah. And so I think that that's a big part of our relationship too, is we can have discussions about sex that are not inflammatory or tied with emotional value Mm -hmm. because we can take a step back from sex as not being the end all be all for our relationship. In fact, our relationship is so rich and deep with other things (laughs) that sex is just something else on top of the heap of the pile that is what our relationship- Yeah, a cherry on top. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not the end all be all. And for a lot of people it is. For a lot of people, It stops there in their relationship. They've been together for one or two years and all that they have to show for it is that they're only having sex with each other. Isn't it great? They've gone on all these trips. They've introduced each other to their families and we only have sex with each other and we're so happy. And then a lot of problems start to evolve when the sex goes away. (laughs) <laughs> so, and that's because it's that's what is built on it's right, so right. important for so many people and then the relationship starts to fall apart when the sex falls apart and then there's that conversation too of like oh well i just don't enjoy sex anymore or other emotional things are coming up for me and now i'm the hormones are wearing off yeah. and the the glasses are coming off you know i'm seeing this yes. for who they really are and when the sex dwindles away most relationships either crumble crumble or they find more in the heap they go to the next layer of the onion i guess we're like 30 layers deep yeah we're, de- we're definitely beneath the layer of the sexual onion for
0: sure you hit it you hit it on the head that that you have your relationship with sex both of us have a relationship with sex everyone has an individual relationship with sex and then you have this oppressive omnipresent societal contextual relationship with sex on top of that, that tries to buy for all of your energy and the way that you're going to conceptualize this thing. And, uh, when it comes, when it comes to, if if sex is your end goal, you cross that line pretty early. Most of the time, uh, you you definitely can. And, but there's also this, uh, this conflicting narrative, that's supposed to be your best friend. So if sex is part of the equation where we're raising people to think, hey, sex is the end goal, and if this is a thought, not a question, if, and then you have this other side, so that's supposed to be your best friend, is there something to be said for waiting on sex or maybe just not valuing it as highly so that it's, it's kind of like this you know, this mountain?
1: Yeah, I would say just don't put it on a pedestal. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just not the end-all be-all, like for me at least. You know, mm-hmm. some people it is like, I like a beautiful mind. Like, honestly, that's the sexiest thing to me is like, I'd rather have conversations and, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe just like platonically cuddle, like, you know, that,
0: yeah, like just don't, yeah, it's not the end all deal. That's a form of therapy now over in Oregon. They got cuddle cuddle, <laughs> yeah. cuddle shops. I, I really wish they were they were where I live because I'd love to just kind of stop in. I think it would be fun. Right. it sounds, it sounds sweet, especially yeah. well not right now, but <laughs> No, <laughs> not of, right now. <laughs> kind of right now because yeah. it, you know it's it can be quite isolated of all of this. Yeah, and we need that physical touch. We need each other. We do. We need people. And mm-hmm. you know, just going over the different relationships, uh there is such a disconnect right now, specifically right now. If there wasn't one before, there sure as hell is now um, with getting, getting, just getting some love, man, whatever form that comes in. You were saying love is love, but jealousy is jealousy. Is that, no, is that right? jealousy
2: is ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jealousy is ego. Love is love. I, ever since I was a young person, I've had a lot of love for different kinds of people and sure. different kind of relationship settings. I don't set aside love as something that I only share with one person. I yeah. share love with a lot of different people and it's different yeah. kinds of love. The best example that I've Given to people in my mind of like what polyamory is like, is when you're a parent and you have two children. Do you love either of those children more than the other?
0: I or? don't know. I asked mom a lot, and she said that she loved this <laughs> equally. But I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now, I feel like I was the favorite. I'm just <laughs> <it> out there.
2: <laughs> I know. So we all have the experience, or not all of us. We don't all have siblings. But I think that that's something really interesting to compare it to. Is when you're growing up, your parent is your sole relationship. They provide mm-hmm. for you they tell you what to do, they discipline you, like that's your relationship. And then they love you and your brother the same, and you go out into the world and they'll, you'll always be their children. And, um, that's that, that's kind of how polyamory is too, is, um, you just have it with romantic partners or you have it with, um, non-romantic partners. I'm sure there are people out there who have partners that are, they're just together in a, like friendship and they live together, but they keep their romantic relationships separate. But the person that they refer to as their partner is actually a non-romantic partnership too. So, um, there's just lots of different ways that you can love people. And I think it's not better or worse. A mother doesn't love a child, one child more than the other. Um, that's just how it is. You just love people differently.
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about, um, making the transition because i know you made a transition to to polyamory um is that correct like you you had a monogamous relationship prior that's the societal uh pressure is it, it, i would say is that this you know like we were saying earlier it's like this is the way you do it and then you, you, you send someone off maybe your other relationships you don't have jealousy in but in this one avenue you live by these rules whatever those rules are mm-hmm. um was that transition girl number one was that hard for you so like to to navigate has it been or challenging let's say
2: it was very challenging it was very yeah. weird i've always been a monogamous person in fact i take filial yeah filiality whatever how you say that i take loyalty really seriously for me loyalty is something in my friendships and in my relationships and even in my professional life that i take really seriously is the notion of loyalty and i was not a serial monogamous, there was large chunks of time where I'd be dating multiple people at once. But if I was in a relationship with a boyfriend, I was in that relationship. And I never had this idea of getting married as being at the forefront or the goal of that relationship. I suppose that when I love people, I just unconditionally loved them and I was faithful to them and I was loyal to them and I wanted them to be loyal to me. And that's how I've always been and in fact that hasn't changed what's changed is my relationship to what um to what a relationship can be i don't know how to
0: what what, what, what constitutes loyalty um no, no, it sounds like you really shipped to what constitutes loyalty change because the, the yeah. Change. Yeah. oh yeah,
2: totally, yeah. so I yeah. guess um again, the whole notion of sex, like does sex really mean mean loyalty or not loyalty? Can you have sex with other people and mm-hmm. still be loyal um, and the answer is yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the answer is a total yes, and so it was a challenging transition to trust somebody to go to kind of those darker places and have those. Stranger conversations and harder, more difficult, guilty, weird feelings. A lot of feelings come up when you have to dissect loyalty and a lot of vulnerability comes out when you have to dissect romance and it was challenging for sure, but I think it's been very rewarding. I want to believe that people who've been together for a really long time have also had this conversation. Whether you're in a monogamous relationship or not, people who've been together for a long time have gone through some deeply challenging and hard discussions about what they believe about themselves, what they believe their relationship should be, and what they want for the future. And I'm very unusual in the way that I've never really concerned myself with the future and have marriage or children be a goal of mine. So instead of like climbing the ladder upwards, I like go sideways. I've been going you're, sideways a
0: lot. You're, you're, you're riding the jagged line. You're doing, I am it, riding the just, jagged line. It's honestly the true way everyone lives anyway. All All right. Right. No, Nothing's linear in life, right?
2: everyone like, thinks that they're on this escalator they're like going you know up, they're up, going up up, nah. up, and at an angle and that you know like everyone thinks that they're on that escalator and you don't necessarily have to be you can step off the escalator and
0: go i've met, I've met those people the uh the all-american i married that person in high school not judging yeah. just a thought just like we got married you know right after we, we were together in high school we were together in college we got married right after we had kids within two years and like if that's what you want, more power to you. That's truly like what you desire. But um, it seems like there's a lot of like five year. I, I've never been a five year plan person. Like you know, like this is where I'll be in five years. Like I have no fucking clue what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Like, I have no clue where I'm gonna be in five years.
2: Yeah, I think it's really rewarding too. I think it's rewarding to just kind of, not necessarily float along, but to feel people out. People yeah. are individuals. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to put the husband. Bother mask on every man that you see when you're a woman going out into the world. Like you couldn't, you can't be looking at every man like they're the possible future for you.
0: Couldn't, couldn't Dear God, your how
2: how <laughs> exhausting is that must be? No, uh. you you meet people in life and you look at them like, oh, who are you? What you know? Like, what are you about? What are you doing in this world? We're on this planet together throttling through space a million miles an hour like what what's up with you like how you doing yeah. it's not all about your freaking agenda to yeah reproduce
0: yeah totally uh the relationship topic you're right we could uh, just sex with non i mean just like we could you could do this for years and years and years in fact people do uh, yeah there's a, there's a woman i really like do you guys know esther peril i think that's oh uh, yeah totally She's super cool and she has such a, a way of loosening up the structures of, of marriage. And she has this thing on like infidelity and that I really, really enjoyed of like, she navigates her clients through how, how to navigate that. Mm. Um Because obviously if you come to her, you're not looking to, to dismantle the foundation you've made. You're just trying to uh, have to, a new
1: pathway to sure. Uh, make sure that the relationship stays intact, the foundation stays intact. You just want to have like a new
0: room to the house. And if it is foundational, foundation takes work. If you're going to fix the foundation of a house, that's an expensive endeavor. That's a that's a costly endeavor, non monetarily. It, it, but it is. But yeah. like non, you know, just like in every other resource, time it takes time. And and I think knowing, just circling back to the beginning of the podcast, just knowing what you want at the outset. And and having a structure that is fluid in and of itself, that it is flexible, that it does have have room to change, sounds like the most important thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you hit it.
2: I knew in this transition what I didn't want. I can say that for sure. When you say in order to change your foundation, you have to know what you want. It wasn't like that for me. I knew what I didn't want. Yeah. And I did not ever want to feel the way that I felt in that monogamous relationship. Ever again. There was one particular terrible relationship that was the one that happened before I opened my current relationship and I just knew that whatever that was
0: <laughs> no
2: I didn't want it yeah. anymore No mas. and I did a lot of s- spiritual work and seeking out what it meant to truly be alone in the universe without being lonely. You yeah. have to really come to terms with uh, relationships are really, they're not guaranteed. They're not a guarantee. You're not guaranteed to go out in your life and find one person who's going to love you for the rest of your life. But the one guarantee is the relationship with yourself yes. is going to be around forever. forever. That's the, it's the one relationship that's going to be around forever is your relationship with yourself. And I just knew that the relationship with myself was saying, we don't ever want to go back there. Yeah. Whatever the heck that was, Um, I want to find a relationship for us and for me that is going to be the best for me. I don't know what that looks like. I don't have any expectations. I don't want to get married. I don't want to have children. I don't want to be monogamous. I don't want to be polyamorous. I don't want to be anything except what is good for me. And from that moment, I went forward in the world and built a foundation, not only with my relationship now, but just with my everything that I interacted with and I just said I want what's best for me I don't have any expectations walking into the building other than if it's good for me I want it I'll take yeah. it if it's bad I'll I'll leave it I'm good I don't need that and so yeah
0: and we've talked about like intuitive eating intuitive health here and that's like intuitive relationshiping which is totally a huge part of health it's oh, just yeah. like you know it's just part of life it's like okay yeah you got these guidelines and these rules and maybe they work for you maybe that's the way you want to do it but at the end of the day you have a do-it-yourself kind of model going on yes yeah yes
2: that's a really wonderful way to put it intuitive relationshiping that's it that's what point i doing. What's I like it,
1: it. I, you should you <laughs> should it.
2: totally coin that because um if people looked at it more that way as like who am I who am I in this world like what is my intuition and my gut telling me to do then a lot of different doors would open up for you and this was completely out of left field for me the idea that you could be in love with two people at the same time and it was kind of a painful thing for me too what does that mean about me do I love one more than the other and I would tear myself up inside and say how can this be possible and I had to let myself into it and say it is possible because you're feeling it and it's you're experiencing it right now. It's real for you. Just let yourself. Just shut up the cultural voice and let yourself feel and intuit your way through your experience.
0: Because that's not an intuitive process. If there's rules, if there's rules at the at the outset, there's. I mean, maybe you align with it, but that doesn't make the rules intuitive. Totally. Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I um, I feel like that. That uh, that was a lot of information. Oh yeah, uh, that was a lot. I really enjoy this. Thank you for. You stepping in um
2: should definitely dissect this whole conversation though and maybe do
1: definitely i think you could have
2: this outline to uh, other podcast episodes <laughs> yeah
1: I, th- I think uh for for the listeners uh we just hit the surface um as you can tell re- relationships are just highly nuanced and we got yeah, highly charged um especially in today's world um you know, like uh, we we hit on a lot of topics, uh, you know, what's the narrative? Um, I like the intuitive relationship because you're asking if this is useful for you or if it's not useful. Is it beneficial or is it not? Um, we talked about uh, how, you know, the, the game, in my opinion, is set up, how there's rules and boundaries and how there's negotiables and non-negotiables. We talked a little bit about communication we talked a little bit about compersion and jealousy. I mean, there's so much here that definitely you could,
0: you could have a separate podcast dedicated to the whole topic. Totally. I'm sure there are. I'm I'm positive there are.
1: Yeah. Is there any other uh, any questions, uh, guy number one, um, that we should clarify, or where, where 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 are you at? Where are you feeling?
0: You know, it it as we went through because we switched from monogamy to polyamory, and and we talked about a couple. Uh, couple other uh, setups uh, initially, I think hitting any of them, just going back to, to girl number one's point is we're talking about, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about just like person to person, people to people. And no matter what the landscape, whatever the, the we were talking about four square earlier, whatever square setup you set up for yourself, that game uh, we're talking to, we're roughly talking about the same way of figuring these things out and approaching these things. Um, a lot of these tools bleed over into any dynamic, so there's not a lot of questions at the moment because I think we, we covered most romantic entanglements as well as non-romantic entanglements. Yeah. Yes, and I, I say entanglements as opposed to attachments, because again, attachments is that holding hands versus entanglements is that fusion of energy in some way. Yeah. Um, and it can look it can look different. It can just look different.
1: No, I really like that. Um... I feel like, uh, we're rounding this out, Absolutely. Uh, girl, number one, is there anything that you want to tell the listener, just like from everything that we spoke about that you would want to share, just like, kind of like, kind of either encapsulate or leave them with like a tool or any kind of tidbit.
2: Um, yeah, I think that, um, in discussing relationships and discovering your own relationship style, it takes a lot of research takes a lot of research and it also takes a lot of listening just like listening to yourself and listening to what other people have to say and then siphoning out what works for you
1: Mm, i like that me too yeah I'm, i'm gonna leave it on that note i think that that was a brilliant uh way to end this one
0: absolutely i think that's a perfect place to to cap it for sure
1: well, alrighty, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions, send a email to info at just and that's a number two. And give us a follow on Instagram. It's at just two guys podcast. Um, guy number one. It's been a pleasure.
0: As always, thank you so much, guys. Guy number two, thanks for jumping in. That was fun.
1: Yeah, you got it. Thanks. All dude. right, later, y'all. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into just two guys talking. We deeply appreciate everyone tuning in and listening to the ideas that we presented today. Today's topic, we definitely just, you know, just scratched the surface, we didn't really get into too many of the nitty gritty details that really do exist. uh, When we talk about relationships, because we can get really meta and really nuanced really fast. So once again, thank you so much. And if anything spoke to you, and you want to talk to us about some of the ideas, or if you want to come on to the podcast, send us an email at info at just two guys talking.co and we will respond to you. Besides that, thank you so much. Please give us a share and follow us on Instagram at just two guys podcast. Looking forward to seeing some messages and until next time talk to you later